Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. So we have spoken a number of times to recyclers um, at different stages of the recycling lifespan and life um, cycle. And uh, today we're speaking to Jonathan Welch, who is a technical consultant, project manager as well, at Green Corridors at Guamashu Material Beneficiary Center. So it's quite a long one there. But really, essentially, what they've decided to do is that they've decided, okay, it's no point um, being, you know, working in silos in the green economy, in the green spaces. It's possibly time for us to collaborate and make sure that, you know, when the one hand does something, the right hand also supports the other. So Jonathan Walsh is uh, is an, on the line with us this afternoon. A very good afternoon, Jonathan. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Pamela. Thanks for having us. Okay, so what brought you to this point where you thought it's time to bring in some collaborators and, and make this thing holistic? Well, I think we're all familiar with the challenges, um, particularly in the municipalities, of having the different departments speak to each other and work together in a unified direction. So if I could just explain the background is that Green Corridors is an operation organization, not-for-profit organization working in Durban, and it's funded by Economic Development Unit. So our um, objectives as Green Corridors is to find ways that we can help all the different departments work towards reducing waste to landfill. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the one driver to answer your question. Uh, the other is I think just we all know how we all work in silos and how collaboration and synergy can be found by working together. So what, what were the challenges in, in some of the work that you were doing and seeing where the gaps were? So with us being primarily focused on working uh, within the departments of the municipality, it's very much about looking at the logistics of mm-hmm. getting the waste to our center. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we're all about developing sustainable business models. Mm-hmm. So with us being uh, funded by Economic Development Unit, we're looking at how we can apply technologies and develop sustainable models that can be implemented at source. Yeah. So there's, yeah. we, we reduce the logistics costs and the, the, the challenges of getting material to a central facility for processing. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to bring in Margaret Berger here, who is from WESA, People Caring from, for, for the Earth. And, and Margaret, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us as well. Good afternoon. Yes, good afternoon. And I suppose the reason I want to bring you in here, Margaret, is that, as Jonathan said, often people actually have good intentions, right? So ordinarily somebody would have waste in their homes and ideally would try and find a bin, whether that's the right bin or not, let's, let's park that part, but would find a bin and, and make sure that it's in one collective collection space. But that doesn't necessarily work out that way. Maybe somebody else comes and picks up that waste in light of trying trying to get it to another source um, where maybe they may recycle that. Along the way, though, Margaret, things do go wrong. You may have the greatest of intentions in picking up maybe plastic from that particular bin. But while you do that, you may be dropping bits along the way. Yes, that's correct. And and Um, while that happens, there is impact on the environment while that happens. Yes, and we and we most certainly see that with our river space. Mm. So the the current project that Jonathan and I share is on the Mgeni, mm. and my local space is on the Mgeni estuary, and that really is the last 
section of the entire catchment where you can prevent waste from entering the Indian Ocean. So mm. that's the focus here. Mm. But when you're speaking about household waste, it's part of the supply chain. Mm. And recycling is also, in a way, it's a business. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen how that market can rise and fall, mm-hmm. depending on even waste being exported. So mm. we want to make sure that we... in, in recycling that at the same time you're actually not shooting yourself in the foot because you really want to minimize your footprint as yeah. well. Because Jonathan, so, not not all waste is equal, right? Correct, yeah. Some are more challenging to recycle than others. Yeah, yeah. And and, and, and as Margaret was saying, because it's also a business, you know, sometimes some more valuable waste is more prioritized over other waste. Exactly. And market demand sort of dictates what's focused on, and that leaves a, a huge residual amount that's going to landfill, mm. which has its costs both to the environment as well as to the taxpayer. You know, it all comes back to us as, as taxpayers mm-hmm. paying for the landfills and the transport to mm-hmm. the landfills in our rates. Mm. Margaret, how do we become a part of the solution in in making sure that, as I said, you just mentioned the fact that, you know, it's also a business. Um, And and for those who are in the the one element of the business, we we don't necessarily care for waste in the same way. How do we make sure that while we prioritize certain waste, along the way, we don't burden the environment? That's that's also correct. But... You know, I think what one needs to emphasize with individuals is that everyone can be the change. Mm. So it starts locally and it starts with a mindset. But what has happened in our space is that as urbanization has increased, mm-hmm. is the waste has become unmanageable. Mm. So where a decade ago we could clean up the estuarine environments with 300 bags of waste, and a group of five people in a week, mm. we can't manage that anymore. So it's it's a very complex environment because it's economic, it's social, and it's in, it's environmental. So I think that you have to look at, as Jonathan said, you know, it's across silos and making sure that those silos break down. Yeah. So whether it's dumping or the river space seen as a conduit for waste. Those are those are mindsets that we need to change. Mm. So it starts with individual, but I think our education system, so WES is very strong in environmental education, and our education system is looking at transitioning the citizen to be more of a caring citizen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jonathan, to what extent can policy add value here where, for instance, packaging materials are used with more environmental friendly products and so on? Can we maybe start there as well? Absolutely. So there's a lot of good work being done by the Department of the Environment in terms of extended producer responsibility, which is now coming into play. Um, it has its challenges, of course, to brand owners, but certainly at the end of the day, I think if the brand owners are more involved in terms of designing their packaging for reuse, recycling, um, reprocessing, um, that is a very important part of the solution as well as there being a fund that the recycling operations and operators can draw from to assist them with the recovery of that waste out of the landfill and the river systems those two combined do offer solutions that I 
believe will help us out. Yeah. Ma- Margaret, in your view, why are, are some projects and initiatives, you know, not yielding fruit, like the purchasing of plastics, for instance? Well, plastic is really very convenient. Um, but I think even there we can discriminate and we can ensure that um, that you that you don't use single-use plastic. Margaret, you know, I didn't hear that at all. Sorry, we lost transmission there for a second. Just repeat that for me. You were saying plastic is quite convenient. Is that what you were saying? Plastic is convenient, mm. and I think we all know that. We, we all have our Tupperware or our plastic containers. Um, we might prefer to use glass, but glass recycling is extremely problematic. Mm. You're recycling worth of glass that is not being utilized. Mm-hmm. That market. Is, is a very difficult market for recycling. Mm-hmm. It's too complex to go into here. But I think you can do small things like you say, well, I'm not going to use single-use plastic, mm-hmm. which is then something that you throw away and goes to landfill. So rather have something that you can reuse for an extended period of time because it's all a transitioning process, which is why we, call, why we refer to just transitions so that there is no job loss because of the complexity of the situation, you also have to look at who's doing what, income, where is the income stream, who's going to lose their jobs, and how do you ensure that those people then are able to have a sustainable enterprise or a, a job that they can um, yeah. manage yeah. You know, Jonathan, w- one of the things that I think, you know, Margaret spoke about education and I, I still, for the life of me, as much as I've read up, I find it really difficult to decipher the difference between plastic that is recyclable and one that is not. So there are all kinds of things that go into the detail of which can be and which can't be. I still don't get it. I, I, I think I find it so hard when I go buy something. Well, so which one is this one? Uh, why is that so difficult for us to, to, to kind of crack? Pamela, don't feel alone there. Um, it is a very complex field. There are many different kinds of plastic. Mm. Uh, the fact is that, as Margaret said, plastic is useful and that it, there are many kinds of plastic, each specifically designed for a particular purpose. Mm. And in some cases, those plastics are combined to create yes. a super purpose. Yes. Um, yes. And that super purpose then makes them super difficult to recycle. Yes, because it would be 20% of this and then 20%. And then I'm completely confused. Even yeah. as I try to separate my waste, I just have no idea. And then yeah. the waste picker, who may be a bit more sophisticated than me in that knowledge, then knows exactly what is useful and what is not. And then the rest gets left somewhere, not necessarily going to where it should be going. So interesting, Pamela, this morning I was at one of the MRFs in Durban and uh, we were discussing the potential for the technologies we're looking at at the Komashi Materials Beneficiation Centre, which is the the project that I'm project managing for Green Corridors. Um, We're looking at what extent of the material, which is predominantly plastic, um, we've got what we call the orange bag system in Durban where uh, cardboard and plastic uh, predominantly are put into our recycling system. Um, so the, all the paper and cardboard is pretty much uh, extracted from that system, but there's a fair amount of plastic left. Um, we estimate that about 30% of what is in those bags needs to be landfilled at the moment. And what we're hoping to do is 
develop technologies, as I said earlier on, sort of sustainable, economically viable technologies that can possibly result in SMEs being set up. Um, we're looking at diverting it between 50, and, and I'm going to be ambitious and say it uh, here, up to, I believe, 90% of that plastic that's currently being landfilled, we think we can develop technologies for to divert from landfill. <laughs> so, yes, all of that plastic that's currently going to landfill are plastics that are either too complex or just plastics that there's no market for. Um, the recycling process is energy intensive mm -hmm. and as we know the cost of electricity and energy is, is rising. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of recycling operations folding because of the increased costs. Um, so a lot of challenges in the recycling space. So for us it's a challenge to develop a technology that's low tech, low cost possibly incorporates renewable energy off-grid. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of exciting possibilities if it's done right mm -hmm. um, that, that we're exploring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Margaret, you, you were just telling us earlier about the project that you're currently uh, working on. Uh, to what extent is the community part of this? So there, there are several projects. So the one with Jonathan is um, the recycling project with a group of waste pickers or recyclers who were sort of chased out of town, out of the CBD, mm. and then landed up on our riverine environment mm. under the bridge mm. because it is a space close to water, which mm. they need yep. for some yeah. of the, the recycling. The yeah. um, but we fortunately had a very sympathetic ward councillor, and we met with them. And, you know, once you break down that space of the them and us, mm -hmm you start realizing that we're all actually just trying to move forward, make a living. And it's been surprising how great a relationship we actually have. Mm -hmm. But we've had, you know, th there are problems in trying to formalize it. Mm -hmm. And of course, in, in that situation, you've, you, you sometimes also have to question that transitioning of formal to informal. Because once it's a formalized space, as Jonathan was saying, with legalization and the changing of packaging, mm -hmm. then they're all. Then, then what happens to the informal sector? Mm. So you can't leave them behind. Mm. So currently, the group of waste pickers um, under our bridge is informal. Mm -hmm. So they will have to adapt to that formalization process as well. So mm -hmm. that's going to be an interesting space to observe. Mm -hmm. Let me take a voice note. Uh, I think there's uh, one or two comments coming through for both of you. Uh, good afternoon, uh, Pamela and uh, oh, Jonathan. Uh, I, I've been trying to get hold of them because we are a cooperative uh, doing landscaping and cleaning. Uh, we like to collaborate with them. I will really like to have their information because we based it in under the they have a park next to Inanda Seminar where we are interested working with them and Inanda them as well. It's a very good job they're doing. From Oshie Zultaba at the Jonathan, I mean, this this is a compliment, I think, in many ways. Yes. Jonathan? Yes, still here. Thank you. That's uh, humbling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and good to hear. Yes, we, we Green Corridors is an amazing organization. As I said, I consult to them. The technical specialists, they're doing some incredible work. Um, a lot of work in Ananda, um, both at the dam and the seminary, seminary as the, the caller mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, the projects range from plastics recycling right through to bio-based recycling. In mm -hmm. other words, 
alien invasive plants mm-hmm. and converting those into a Bokashi compost, which is a high-grade, low-carbon dioxide um, process, mm. uh, which we're uh, working on. Um, so the concept, again, would be all about sustainability. How do you take a, a, a current challenge in the form of an alien invasive plant and then find a way to process it into something that can then be used to fertilize mm. um, agroecology projects, which Green Corridors is involved in, mm. and um, also to supply to hotels that we're wanting to work with to take their food waste. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, possibly. That sounds exciting. <laughs> really sounds exciting. Yeah. Let's take one more voice note. Uh, very good afternoon. Uh, the challenge that uh, we are facing, especially in the informal settlements uh, like Alex and the like, is that uh, the municipality uh, is not uh, quite hands-on in collecting uh, the bins and ensuring that uh, they are cleaned out. So it, it becomes very difficult because when they pile up um, in the streets and in our households, you know, when there is no enough space for us to be able to live in, um, it, it really it makes it that, uh, you know, the whole environment um, gets, uh, gets very, very nasty. So if the municipality can be hands-on in collecting all the garbage um, and uh, being on time, I think... Uh, you know, areas, informal informal um, areas can as well be clean as well. Thank you. you. You hear this a lot, John, don't you, Jonathan? And and what do you have to say about that? Yeah, Pamela, it's an interesting one. You know, I have a, perhaps what some people would call a, an idealistic um, response, but I think it's pragmatic as well. Mm. So certainly what we're looking at is developing small-scale at-source solutions which are not dependent on municipal services. We all know how under pressure the government is and how challenging life is these days, how funds are short after COVID. So certainly my sense is not to under underplay the necessity for the formal services to, to collect the waste and the waste management systems. But what we're hoping to do is to support those formal systems by developing technologies where entrepreneurs and SMEs can establish themselves in their communities and set up their own collection systems of what is currently called waste, but what we're saying is actually a raw material that can be beneficiated to generate profits, create jobs. So, yeah, that's my response. It's, yeah. it's, it's, um, it's not a solution yeah. for those um, people not getting services mm-hmm. delivered, but yeah. it's where we're hoping we can support the municipality um, and, and hence my comments earlier on about the collaboration between different municipal departments. It's a start, though, you know, and I think I really like that, uh, what you're doing, because it's a start. Thank you both. Uh, Margaret Berger from WESA, W-E-S-S-A, and uh, Jonathan Welsh from Green Corridors. So what I would suggest is that you go to Green Corridors and see, you know, how you can be a part of the solution that they're proposing. It's 1.30. Let me go to Amanda Machaka for the latest in headlines.